0: Podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon.
1: It's time for Sip. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen M. Sipple from the Lincoln Journal Star talks with myself and Ken on Nebraska football.
2: I mean, I have a radio show. We have callers. I pay attention to my Twitter notifications and all that. There's definitely some frustration.
1: We talk Cornhuskers, and you never know what else is going to come up. With thirty years on the Nebraska beat, here's Stephen M. Sipple. As long as they're paying me to talk, I'm just going to keep doing it.
0: I forgot about that open. Stephen M. Sippel, Lincoln Journal Star, he joins us every week during college football season, and every other week as we get closer to it. We certainly hope we're headed in that direction. Off we go to Lincoln. Stephen M. joins us. Hello, pal. How you been?
2: Uh, good. How are things in Des Moines?
0: Okay. All right. Doing uh, doing the best we can. Sip. You know, I got to. Uh, I read your column all the time. Uh, Bill Moose has been uh, very good to the media over there. He's been, I think, is Pollard's been terrific at Iowa State. I think Moose, likewise, uh, at Nebraska, as transparent as you possibly can be, putting out different scenarios. Uh, Moose has been good to the media. Uh, he's put out a deadline. I think it was in your column at some point last week. Not a deadline, but a critical day in July that he thinks that uh, decisions, whether to go forward or whether to tap the brakes, uh, give us a little clarity on what he was referring to, Sip, by late July being so important.
2: Yeah, he's talking about, uh, yeah, he said decisions have got to be made by the second or third week of July in part because of the NCAA calendar that it re- it put out oh, a couple weeks ago where I guess the main thing is is what we're calling over here, mini-camps, mini-camp begins July 24. So, you know, there's a, there's about, tw- I think there'll be 10 to 12 practices that lead up into the the beginning of what, you know, we commonly know is the preseason camp, which is if a team begins the season September 5th, camp begins August 7th. So, I mean, he, he thought you better have you know you better have some pretty solid answers before you ask those kids to go into that get ask the players to go into that type of situation
1: six of the eight positive tests that have come out from the athletic department or with the football program what are you hearing on that line and the just number of players how much it's impacted them and kind of looking forward we see Huge spikes in numbers at Clemson, at LSU, K State, a few others out there. And at least on the surface, a pretty low number here for Nebraska football.
2: Yeah, they tested. Nebraska began testing uh, April 3rd, and they've been tested regularly. They've tested 250 student athletes and got a total of eight positives, six in the football uh, department. You know, six in the football department. I think there's five players and a staff member, is the way it broke down. Um, so yeah, a a relatively low number here. Uh, I mean, Nebraska has been, I mean, what's become clear to me and it it was actually pretty clear to me as far back as early April, Nebraska has been very aggressive in, in moving forward and trying to move forward, but not reckless. I mean, they're not at no point in talking to people at, Close to the program, have I thought? Ooh, they're being—they're pushing this a little too much, trending towards reckless. They're, they've been incredibly—they've been incredibly detailed in their approach, which I believe probably held down its numbers. And the fact that a lot of the schools that are reporting high numbers of tests brought their players back in bulk, whereas Nebraska has staggered their arrival and segments. And I think that probably was the wise thing to do and probably held down the number here.
0: Stephen M. Sippel, Lincoln Journal-Star. Sip, a lot of ground to cover with you. Uh, I want to start, I guess, with the quarterback position. Adrian Martinez, Luke McCaffrey, and we've been talking about him for a couple of years now. Uh, the word in the about people that know the McCaffrey children is this is the most talented of the lot. And It's saying something, because the one that uh, plays in Carolina is not bad, as Hawkeye fans will remember that Rose Bowl uh, in their dreams, bad dreams. Uh, But Luke McCaffrey, quarterback, Adrian Martinez, how's this going to shake out? That's a good
2: question. It's hard to say. Now, Scott was pretty revealing. Scott Frost was pretty revealing on Monday. He talked to myself and a reporter from the World Herald, Omaha paper, and he had, he said something publicly that he had said to me privately a couple times, and that was Adrian was a little lax at times in preparation last year, going into last year, and probably somewhat during the season. I mean, what Scott has said previously in really more private conversations is that uh, Adrian maybe um, thought he could uh, – I don't like to say coast, but not go as quite as hard as maybe he could in practice, and then turn it on in the games. And he probably learned he can't do that. The situation was much different going into last year than it was in '18. He had a he had a genuine quarterback battle going into his freshman year with Tristan Jebbia, who has since transferred to Oregon State. Adrian won that battle, probably helped him going into the season. He was sharp, but then you know he had the big freshman season and. There was no real talk of a quarterback race at Nebraska last year because there really wasn't anybody in position. Nobody was, had moved into the sort of position to challenge him, which has changed because of McCaffrey. McCaffrey's here. Um, he's a redshirt freshman. He played in four games. What jumps out off the page to anyone who watches him is that he's really, he has explosive speed. Uh, but he's a, he's a good quarterback. Um, uh, you know, we—it's a really limited snapshot. He, he completed nine of twelve passes last year, but I think his acumen is good. But that's what's going to come down to. I mean, I think with McCaffrey, largely what it's going to come down to is how how comfortable he shows himself to be in Scott's office. It's it's a pretty it's pretty complex. You have to be a quick blinker, as as the coaches here say. You have to manage it well. You have to make a lot of decisions, um, and a lot of decisions on the fly, you know, in the RPO game, of course. So how does does he do all that? I think he's got the talent to, uh, to challenge, to seriously challenge Adrian, but I think it'll come down to how well he can handle the offense.
1: You know this offense, regardless of who becomes a quarterback, there's some certainly some skill position guys to be excited about. Mills is a nice running back, and Robinson, Wondell Robinson, dude is an absolute stud. And uh, just going into his sophomore year, they're going to have a couple of weapons there, but lose a big one with J.D. Spielman entering mm. the transfer portal and leaving Nebraska. A big blow. How big of it in your mind? Losing a talent like Spielman.
2: Uh, I mean it's it's a it's a blow. I, it's not I don't know it's an it's been an interesting conversation here his you know he's the only receiver in Nebraska football history with three 800 yard seasons 800 yard receiving seasons he would have he probably would have eclipsed that again this year he's not you know he's but he's played on teams that went four and eight four and eight five and seven mm-hmm. he, I'm not diminishing what JD's done but you don't want to Go too far with it. I, I mean, I would, I would, leave open the possibility that they'll be better at the receiver position without him. It's possible. I mean, I, I don't think it's this insurmountable challenge losing JD that Nebraska can't be better overall at that position. They're bringing in guys. It's, now it's a lot of unproven guys, and besides Wandale, Dale, um, but but there's talent there it's just again it's quickly how they how how quickly they assimilate um and you know how they how they adjust really how they adjust to the um college game
0: Wondell Robinson, Rondell Moore on the field at week number one. That's going to be worth the price of admission. Sip, as I look at this schedule, man, they better put some hay in the barn early because their final five games at Ohio State, home to Penn State, at Iowa, at Wisconsin, home to Minnesota. Sip, those final five games, yikes. Yeah, you better stop the run. I mean, that's that's what it sort
2: of comes down to, to me. Um, if they're not able to stop the if they're not able to stop the run they they won't come out of that in good shape um one second one second can i help you with something yeah i'm doing i'm on an interview right now uh right. um thank you okay um is he bugging you yeah just uh yeah it's funny you just a guy that stopped by the um, i'm outside my
1: house
2: uh-huh. He just <laughs> bill collector um
1: Looking for an autograph. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. so yeah, those last five games. Um, um, I, hey, listen, Nebraska in Big Ten play last season allowed five point eight yards per carry. Okay,
0: mm.
2: I mean, I, do I need to say much more? Mm-hmm. Think about that stretch that you just said. Did you watch? Yeah. Happened to watch Penn State against Memphis yeah. in the bowl game. Uh-huh. I think they ran for three sixty five or so. Yeah. Um, Iowa has Nebraska really ever stopped Nebraska much? Um, since they've joined the Big Ten, not not in the last five or six years. They haven't stopped Wisconsin.
1: No. Uh,
2: Ohio State is Ohio State. If you can't stop the run, you'll have no shot at coming out of those games with a win.
1: Here's a question for you. Uh, year number three of Frost. I mean, a lot of times you see a jump in year two with college coaches. Didn't happen in a big way. They improved by a win last season and finished five and seven. Say this thing craters. It, it just falls apart this year and they go three and nine four and eight again something like that would scott frost be in jeopardy after year three or does he have more leeway for certainly a myriad of different reasons
2: yeah he has a lot of leeway there's yeah no and i don't think he'd be i don't think his job would be in jeopardy at all scott wouldn't that's going to be here um i'm not gonna say as long as he wants but no, no i mean not after the third year um there's no, no jeopardy. I, mm. It's just it's. I know I know some fans and just general fans are going to hear that and not quite understand it in the context of what sports has become, and you know NBA coaches getting fired after ten games and things like that. Um, it's it's you know it is very it's a very layered conversation. It's Frost. He's from Wood River, Nebraska. He's a national championship quarterback mm-hmm. here. It, he, he is, I mean, he's a very very revered figure in the state. That's part of it. But part of it is the program was in really bad shape when he arrived. And I'd say the athletic department wasn't in the best shape when he arrived. So he's he's trying to sort of build something back that's been eroded by kind of years of bad decisions, not just in the Riley era, um kind of uh, really bad decisions <laughs> going back to probably firing Frank Solich yep. at the end of the 2003 season and I'm not I'm not I mean I'm not relitigating that firing I'm just saying since then the football program has just been through a lot and it's sort of just it's the leaders of the athletic department have just kind of bungled it at every turn and I and I think in a lot of ways, Frost has to sort of battle some of that.
0: Sip, Last thing, uh, team to beat in the West is it Wisconsin again? Minnesota popped up uh, last year. Tanner Morgan's coming back. Uh, Bateman's as good a receiver as there is in the league. And there's some good ones in the league. Who's the team in the West uh, to beat, in your opinion?
2: Oh, that's a good, that's a great question. It's not it's not real pronounced, is it? Mm-mm. It's not it's not a cut and dried conversation. I don't
0: think it is. I think I was gonna be pretty good oh is that right yeah I do um yep well I mean they're scheduled back to back Ohio State Penn State but I mean look at they're gonna get no sympathy from the final five Nebraska play my gosh
2: right I have a hard time I'd have a hard time taking against Minnesota right now yeah um, I, I I just think They're so, they got so much back on offense. Now, you know, they they got hit hard personnel wise on defense. Yeah,
0: Winfield's a ball. You have
2: to look to see what that looks like. But man, that quarterback position, as we know, is critical. And, and they have, man, they have, they have a lot of potential on offense. And what I saw last year is that team's really well coached. And they, Fleck, Fleck has, Fleck has put together a good system.
0: I think we lost him. I like oh, he
2: doesn't are. call plays. He doesn't call plays. He's, um, he manages the clock really well. Um, they have a very, you know, you can tell what they're trying to do all the time. and There's that's, there's a lot to be said for that.
0: I'd probably pick
2: the Gophers at this point.
0: Okay. Stephen M. Simple, we won't see in Chicago this year, which is disappointing on a lot of levels. Uh, but it, uh, it is what it is, right? It's a world we're living in. Uh, Stephen M., good to speak with you. We'll talk to you in the weeks ahead. Thank you. All right, thank you, guys. Stay Good care. to talk to you. Stephen M.
1: Sipple, Lincoln Journal star. I don't know if they can win six games. You mentioned the back end of that schedule. Trent, it's unfair. Well, and in, in the landmines that are there early, mm-hmm. Cincinnati might be favored there. This Cincinnati team has won back-to-back double digits. Uh-huh. Where's the game? It's in Lincoln. It's in Lincoln. Yeah. But they return almost everybody from a team that won mm-hmm. double digits in the American the last two seasons – if I put a number on that right now, it'd probably be Bearcats two and a half. Jeez. Uh, week 1, Purdue. I mean, how important yeah. is this
0: for both schools, Old right? Oh, no doubt, yeah. Purdue at Lincoln, Nebraska. Oof. Central Michigan, South Dakota State. Okay, a little salty. Cincinnati, then at Northwestern, Illinois at Rutgers. Okay? Here we go. Get tied on. <laughs> at Ohio State, home to Penn State. At Iowa, at
1: Wisconsin, home to Minnesota. On Black Friday, on Black Friday, place they haven't been very successful here no. in recent years. <laughs> that's True, that's true. A different opponent, of course. Mm. In those games, mm-hmm. they reside in our state. Could best be a ton of the se- line for Minnesota. Best case scenario is two and three. In in that final fight,
0: oh, I don't think they're winning two football. I, games I don't same. either. That's best yeah, case but scenario. the best case scenario, two and three, Absolutely. more than likely. What's more likely, one and four or zero and five? I uh. So here's what it comes down to, because they're not being Ohio State or Penn State, so it's a three-game scenario at uh, at Iowa, at Wisconsin, home to Minnesota.
1: What's more likely there? I think I, the most likely Ofer? win might be Iowa. Maybe I don't think that's very. likely. I don't think so either. In, hey, speaking depending of, on Petrus, I was looking at Illinois a little bit last night, doing a yeah. getting some notes ready, and. Look at Illinois. Their schedule before they go to that game at Nebraska, Illinois State, UConn, it was awful. Mm-hmm. Bowling Green, Ugh. at Rutgers. We might be talking I've about a, a very four, confident football team, a four and o Illinois team uh-huh. who got to a bowl game last uh-huh. year, going in there with a little bit of confidence. Yep. I don't. We've seen a couple of very close Illinois Nebraska games the last couple of seasons too. That's not an automatic. No. no Illinois likely, is no
0: longer two and ten.
1: Illinois. I think six and six is the number that is kind of there in the middle. For like no, for Nebraska, for Nebraska, seven and five or five and seven or worse. No, there's no shot. I think it's there's there's the no ladder. shot. They're winning seven football games. I, I don't see it. South Dakota State's not a layup. It's not North Dakota no, State, but it's a really good program. I agree with you.
0: North Dakota State had to get by South Dakota State last year. Yes, and, and struggled. They did. It was a hell. It was a
1: hell of a game. That was the semi, wasn't it? I asked the question to Sip. This thing craters. What's wrong wrong with Sip today? He's down. He was down today. Yeah. Maybe got maybe he took my question about them being three and nine and thinks it's actually going to happen. Because you
0: lose Spielman. I don't see six games or six wins, Trent. I don't and and I agree with you. Losing Spielman's a bigger blow. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's gift. But Wondell Robinson's I mean
1: he's elite. I think he's he's Rondell Moore. Is he light run? No, I think he's... Well, we'll see. They they lost two of their best defenders on an awful mm-hmm. defense. Yeah. Mo Perry's gone. Right. He's not coming back. The one guy that could generate pressure, Khalil Davis, he's gone. hmm Suddenly they're going to be even average on that side of the football? Uh, they might not win five games. <laughs> four and eight, five and seven, four and eight. What is that number for Nebraska? I know we talked about it. I'll find it here before the, the end of the, the show. The total? The total. Might well, heavy it... Heavy-handed here. It can't be... Six, can it? I would hope
0: not. But those final five weeks, geez. Uh, Let's uh, talk about Iowa State next, shall we? I'm in. This is fun. We're talking football. Yes, indeed we are. This is
1: a way to kick off the
0: 4th of July weekend. I'm all for it. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Welcome back to Moyne Sports Station 1460KX&O. 106.3 FM. Let's head to Ames, shall we? Dave Sproul, K-A-S-I, 1430 on the AM dial. Our sister station in Ames. The Cyclones play on K-A-S-I. Dave joins us. Dave, Trent, and Ken, thank you, as always, for coming on. You know, football in a second. Uh, Steve Prom holding a press conference on Monday. First time in a while he's uh, met with the media as we've you know worked our way through this. couple of transfers have come in. He's going to need uh, some NCAA help. Uh, in both circumstances, uh, what if anything do you think is going to um, come out? One, your opinion, your guesstimate, Talking the biggest uh, I, talker that comes out of Monday's press conference.
3: I, I don't think it'll be anything too earth shattering. Uh, I think it uh, mostly will focus on on those transfers. Uh, it appears that Iowa State's done in the transfer market now that they got they got three guys in uh, and and ready to go and. Uh, I think that'll be a a topic probably, uh, you know, COVID-19 will come up and Mm -hmm. things they've been dealing with since the the shutdown back in March. Uh, College basketball really hasn't been a big topic of conversation since the shutdown because when their season ended, it ended. It's not like it got suspended or we're trying to figure out at this point how to get back to it the way we are with college football. So, I think it'll be a low-key thing. I don't expect anything major to come out and maybe just a little more insight about the transfers and and just what's been happening behind the scenes with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and how they're handling that situation.
1: We talked a little bit last week about the addition of the Ole Miss transfer. Blake Hinson will be with the squad next year. Will he be eligible to play? Still remains a question mark there. Have you heard anything more in the week uh, since we last talked about that, Dave, about the addition of Hinson and his chances of gaining eligibility for this year?
3: Uh, I haven't heard anything new on on that front um, we'll see uh, it'll be interesting to see if Chrome talks about you know what kind of uh uh, angle they'll try to take i saw randy peterson's piece in the register about how the ncaa should give him immediate eligibility because, yeah i agree you know because of his comments about you know not wanting to play for the mississippi state flag
0: mm-hmm. and that's
3: that's understandable i'm not sure if that will be grounds enough for the ncaa uh i don't know if that's ever really been a factor before it's, it's probably kind of a new thing mm-hmm. in their minds and you can make an argument that if the ncaa wants to be consistent about how they handle things you know they've talked about uh, not holding events in, in states, yep. you know, with a rebel flag and things like that. So uh, if they want to be consistent, maybe that's an argument that could be effective. But uh, like I said, you know, as far as I know, that's never been tried before. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah,
0: you're right. It's uncharted territory. But boy, oh boy, just, you know, common sense thinking about it. I would think that that might uh, lean towards getting that um instant uh, eligibility we'll see let's go to football speaking of eligibility uh junior college transfers don't need to wait to, for that eligibility to come boy oh boy two really big pieces that i think are going to have a major impact on this iowa state football team one on offense one on defense of course xavier hutchinson a really good receiver by all accounts and you know, Iowa State's lost a few to graduation. I still think that they have depth there. But Hutchinson, as Bankston did uh, uh last uh, last year, uh Bangston, uh Petway did last year, comes in and makes a uh, a big impact. I think Hutchinson could do that. Ben Latrell Bankston on the defensive line, taking over for Ray Lima. Two JUCOs, I think gonna be a uh, major, major impact players.
3: Yeah, you know, Hutchinson's a guy who, uh, with everything else going on, has been off my radar a little bit. But you look back at what he did in uh, in Juco and, uh, you know, some of the comparisons you can make to him in terms of his size and his explosiveness, he may be, you know, Petway's probably a pretty good example, but, you know, if you really want to take it to the high end, maybe something closer to a, an Alan Lazard. I know that's a, that's a pretty high standard to uphold, but I, I don't know if he'll have that kind of impact. But uh, maybe something along those lines and the fact that, he does fill out a, a, a receiving core that maybe not as explosive as you had with guys like Lazard in, in the fold, but uh, can be reliable and can provide a lot of different options for Brock Purdy. and he's a guy who likes to spread the ball around uh, already, so you, you kind of need that, and uh, uh, with a you know tight end core like Iowa State has, uh, and you add that receiver depth, that's a that's pretty good situation for Iowa State to be in. And you mentioned Bankston kind of replacing Ray Lima. Uh, it, it's one thing You know, on the field in terms of production and being a run stopper and just a guy who's going to maybe suck up one or two uh, offensive linemen and open things up for the rest of the D line to to make some plays. Uh, The other aspect of that is is who's going to set up, and maybe it'll be Banks and maybe it'll be someone else to be the kind of leader Ray Lima was. Matt Campbell could not talk enough Mm. about how Ray Lima was a culture changer and just the, the model of the kind of leadership he wants in his program, you know, behind the scenes. Lima wasn't a big talker when he talked to the media, but. When he spoke to his teammates, they listened and they really took his messages to heart because he knew all about what it takes to, you know, put in the work that you need to do to succeed at that level. And so that'll be interesting to see not only on the field, but off the field, uh, who can step up in, in Lima's absence.
1: Dave, want to jump over to the linebacker spot. A couple, of, a couple of really good players. Mike Rose is an absolute stud. Orion Vance took a big leap forward last year. Some other pieces there. Ken's guy, Chandler mocker loves the name, <laughs> and uh, a lot of other names that have been there. But the loss of Marcel Spears, it, it felt like so many times throughout his career he came up with that big play, that big moment, and Mars Spears would be in there it's a loss there's guys back there that certainly can fill in but speaking of leadership is that a role also that Marcel Spears was a big part of maybe something people are overlooking with his departure
3: yeah you're absolutely right he was a big big time leader on that defensive end now, you guys got Greg Eisworth in the secondary was really I think uh in position if he wasn't already to be kind of the heart and soul of, of that defense overall and be a, a big time leader he's already been that and that that role might expand for him off the field, and, and in terms of the linebacking core, uh, you know Mike Rose, not only a great player, but he's he's a guy who I think will be uh, looked to step up his leadership as well. And, and you know he has got so much experience under his belt, uh, and you know has been a part of some some big time plays for that Iowa State defense, and really you know knows what he, he's doing and what uh, John Haycock wants uh, not only as out of the defense as a whole, but from the linebackers in particular, they will be in good position to uh, to step up and, and provide leadership there. And it's going to be interesting to see what kind of role Jake Hummel plays, too, because uh, he's a guy who's got more, more and more playing time as his career has gone along. Mm-hmm. He's a senior now. He's an Iowa guy and uh, a guy who's going to be in position to be a big-time contributor at, at that position as well.
0: Uh, will McDonald, uh, Trent and I were talking about him yesterday. Of course, they get Bailey back. And might Will McDonald be uh, kind of in that specialist role, a guy coming off the edge, uh, on third down third and long or maybe you know even a second and long scenario might that be his role kind of a you know as a, a get to the quarterback guy and that's what he's asked to do this year I mean he's certainly got all the skills he's a big guy um, I expect a breakout year for him this year we showed flashes of it last year but might he be that that's a specialist when it's pin your ears back and get to the QB time?
3: i think his role actually might expand beyond that i think that's a better definition of what he did last year for Iowa okay. state and now you know with another year under his belt and if they get into the kind of weight and conditioning program they want to with everything going on uh he's a guy who can really take that next leap as um, maybe a guy who plays more than just on the third down pass rushing situation so, like you said he obviously showed some some real flash there and some ability to get after the quarterback and he's kind of an athletic freak really uh so he's you know he's got all the tools it's just a matter of you know, being able to understand the situation, uh, beyond just pat, rushing the passer and being able to read and recognize responding to, to running plays. And if he can do that, he could, he could be closer to an every down, uh, kind of, uh, lineman. There's, there's no real true every down lineman anymore, no matter what position along the line, because you need so much depth there and guys are cycling in and out all the time. But, uh, I, I think he could really have an expanded role in terms of being on the field for more than, than just pass rush type downs.
1: Now, this is a time we get through the 4th of July, and then it feels like it's really ramping up. Obviously, not quite the case this season. I know we talked about this a little bit before with you, Dave, but another Dave, Dave Andrews, the new strength and conditioning coordinator, what he is going through here, first season on the job, dealing with this, spring football canceled, this summer has been hit and miss. Just overall, what you expect with this team and putting it together and doing it with the new system in place on the strength side?
3: It's going to be hard to uh, predict, really, what to expect uh, with with all the 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 pandemic going on and making adjustments to that. But, you know, one of the things you hear about strength and conditioning coaches all the time is that they spend more time with players than just about anybody else because they can take time during, you know, when it's not spring practice or, you know, during the summertime when coaches have less time or in some cases no time to really work one-on-one with the athletes. They're still in the weight room every day uh and working closely with the strength and conditioning staff and there's a lot of trust there from from the head coach uh to to that group and so uh those are the guys who might even be more important now uh because of that time they spend with the players and because guys can come in and spend that time in the weight room and and, you know continue to work even if they can't get workouts on the field uh that might be even more enhanced now so strength and conditioning coaches might be more important than ever And, and it's interesting you know, with, with a new guy coming in, Andrews, who really uh, had a lot of uh, success at, at Pittsburgh. And, you know, a guy like Aaron Donald still comes back and, and trains with him during the offseason, even though he's a you know, big time NFL star now. That's kind of a ringing endorsement for what Andrews brings to the table for Iowa State. So it will, it will be interesting to see. You know, the, the proof will be in the pudding because you look at how Iowa State does in October, and they're really, really good. And then you get to November and the record's not so good. and Maybe scheduling plays a role in that, but at the same time, if you're wearing down during the course of the season, that that means it's time to take a good hard look at your strength and conditioning staff and what they're doing to keep guys fresh uh, throughout the year, and Iowa State's going to need that if they want to have that big breakthrough season where they finish the season strong. And get to maybe 9 or 10 wins.
0: Yeah, get out of September, too, without losing the game. And Seahawks, uh, as it is every year, so pivotal is uh, to both teams, both schools, uh, what their ultimate, where they ultimately end up. What about the, um, you know, Real Mitchell's gone, and there's no depth, really, uh, behind as far as we know, because we've never seen Bowman or Deckers play before. Contact sport, Brock Purdy takes some chances, likes to run the football. Uh, when uh, when the play's not there, when he can't chuck it. Uh, Bowman or Deckers? What, uh, that's one to watch I think is the, the battle for who will be number two on the depth chart.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You talk about guys who have big frames. Uh, Deckers, 6'3", 234. Bowman, 6'6", 242. I mean, he's built like a tight end. I was there's he's already turned one quarterback into a tight end. I don't know if that'll happen again. Hmm. But they're going to probably need one of those two guys to step up uh, you know, at some point because it's hard to keep a quarterback healthy through the course of a full season. I would say went a long stretch there, or they couldn't keep a guy fresh from, from Arnott uh, to Birdie last year. They, they've they had at least one game where they've needed the backup to start. And so you can't rule out the possibility that, as you said, with, uh, with Birdie being a guy they rely on to run the ball as well as to throw, he's going to take some punishment. And he played through some pain, some injury last year that maybe, you know. In retrospect, uh, they could have given him some more time off, or maybe not relied on him so much as you know dealing with that injury. Uh, so you need to have depth, just like you know at running back or any other position mm-hmm. you can name. Really, it's, it's a physically demanding position, and you take a lot of punishment. And it is inevitable, it seems, that uh, something's going to happen to your quarterback, no matter what kind of team you have. So you've got to have guys ready. And uh, yeah, the inexperience uh, behind Ferdy is, is cause for concern, certainly. Uh, but they, they do believe in the talent uh, of the guys they have. They have the physical tools and figures already, the strength and size that they need, and it'll be just uh, a matter of developing those guys to at least be able to fill in maybe for a few snaps or get a spot start if if they're uh, in, in a position to need that.
0: Dave, have a wonderful weekend. We will talk to you next week. Appreciate what you do for us. K-A-S-I, Dave Sproul, 1430 on the AM dial uh, in Ames. Dave, thank you.
1: My pleasure,
0: guys. Good to talk to you. Dave Sproul, K-A-S-I in Ames.
1: <sighs> that pretty question. That's a big one, Trent. I was uh, talking to a, a cyclo buddy of mine when you brought that up. Was it yesterday? I think you yeah. brought that up the first time. And he uh, he said, why in God's name is Ken bringing that up even? <laughs> well, it's, it's something to talk about because right. it's a contact sport. Real Mitchell is gone. Uh-huh. Easton Dean? It's now a tight end. It's two true freshmen. And you talk about derailing things. Mm -hmm. Quarterback position goes down. And we know what Brock Purdy can do when he is right. He's a really talented dude. No, there's no question about it. Trent. I mean, mock drafts have him in the first round. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them, not just
0: one. There's, a, there's a lot of them that do. I hope he stays all four years. Um, they can run the football. They, I think they've got enough. Uh, obviously, the tight end depth is on. Is, um, I mean, I was gonna say unmatched. There's, they're, they're really good. Uh, it's the offensive line, right? On that mm-hmm. offense, it's again. Here we go again. It's
1: the offensive line, Can they keep Purdy upright. Trevor Downing, is he gonna make the leap now? He has to. We've heard buzz since he stepped on campus. Mm-hmm. They've been excited about him. Joey Ramo, same thing. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of buzz about him. Gotta kind of see it on the field. Yep. And then, Colin Newell returns, Schweiger yeah. behind him. A couple of guys that at least have, have some experience in those other two. Not at least, a ton. But not a ton, yeah. And, and then you get in there, and, and it's just a great unknown. Yeah. They say the talent's there. Well, I hope they're right. <laughs> you're, you're five now. And that offensive line certainly has never even been, at best, above average. At best, Iowa State in these first four years, yeah, fair. A B minus, fair. And that was last year. Maybe a C plus last year. I just, yeah, and and that, but that's as as good as it has been. Mm-hmm. I love their defense. From an offensive line guy. That, that, he is. That's and that's true. His offense coordinator is, yeah. an offensive line guy. Mm-hmm. These are guys with the background. Now you can say. The pieces that they initially brought in and inherited that, between, yeah, between, those guys have moved on. Between Manning and Campbell, they should be able to splice something together. Defense is
0: salty. Yes, defense has depth on the defensive front. I think you mentioned the two linebackers. Hummel's a good player. Pulvermacher's a good name, <laughs> uh, but Orion Vance and Mike Rose are li- absolutely the legit. A Waziruke up front. Jaquan Bailey gets another year. Will McDonald's a freak. Bankston plugs it into the middle. Secondary wise, I think uh, Tavon Kyle is going to win a. Job, Greg Eisworth, the leader of that defense, got some dudes. And I and look at the running back position. Who's your favorite running back in the state?
1: Oh boy, I mayford's Brees Hall. It's still got to be Brees Hall. Yeah, he had me, some really special moments. And Goodson's great. I mean, yes. Whoever is the answer to this question wins by an inch. Right? Yeah. It's it's at the at the line. Who's ducking forward? Somebody uh, put out one of I mean, those. Yeah, I like Iowa's offensive line a whole lot more. Yeah, and the highlight tape, the Goodson. Oh. Both it's, those guys, you kind of forget just how good they were and how young they were. Right. And that development, that'll cap Yeah, sophomore slumps and the like, but both those guys are healthy. I think Iowa, Iowa and Iowa State are going to be in for a really fun year because they're not just talented college backs. I think both these guys... There's a lot of upside to them at the next level too. I agree. You know, we got two good football teams in the state. I think isn't that fun? It is absolutely is. Remember the conversations we used to have, oh, seemingly can they win every six, and they win six. Well, you know, <laughs> oh, here's the here's the, the here's ultimate the answer con- would be no, no, absolutely, we couldn't find it. But now the conversations
0: can you get nine approaching? Is this the second best team in the in in the Big Twelve? Is this the year that somebody takes over? Well, Baylor was that team last year. Who they is were? it this year? TCU's thirty to one. I can't get past that. I can't. That's a big, big price. What did you come up with over under for Nebraska? Did you look? Were you I able did to find
1: it. I found it at Caesars. Okay, six and a half. That's way too high. It's a huge number for that schedule. Can you? I wonder if DraftKings or William Hill has that. I looked on both the apps. Not available right now. They don't have Ooh. totals for either one. Don't they? No. Boy, that's a play against. Play against mm-hmm. quickly before it changes. I can't see it. Trent. Well, and that number over in Council Bluffs might be yeah. seven and a half. Right. Yeah, that's a fair point. It may be worth a trip a couple hours well, over you, to Iowa. And the you West. have
0: to make that trip for another few months because as of January 1st, you can sit on your couch and sign up for any one of the companies oh. that does business here in the wonderful state of Iowa. We'll come back, finish up the program. We're with you until noon. Short segment to wrap things up next Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 0106. Gathering spot. couple of the minutes of the program of the week. Cubs news. Chicago Cubs today provide an update on left-hander Jose Quintana. Last Saturday, while washing dishes at his home in Miami, Quintana suffered laceration of his left thumb requiring five stitches. This morning in Chicago, Quintana underwent microscopic surgery on his left thumb to further determine the extent of the injury. The procedure was identified as a elacida- lacerated digital sensory nerve in his left thumb, which was surgically repaired. He will resume throwing in approximately two weeks. Determination will be made on the length of his absence. Tyler Chatwood, come on down. There you go. Colin Ray. Colin Ray with the five slot, maybe.
1: Come on down.
0: Quintana's, you never know what you're going to get, right? He might get is. 10
1: Ks. Next day, next start, you might not get out of the second might inning. have 10 earned runs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what is it with baseball players and just ridiculous injuries that seemingly happen to them all the time? We don't hear about these kind of injuries for football players. We don't hear about them. At the same level of basketball players. I mean, there's more football players in the professional ranks. Mm-hmm. I, I found an article just talking about some of the ridiculous injuries Did of, you? of the well, past. Like washing dishes. Washing dishes. When was the last
0: time we washed
1: dishes? Well, I do it every day. day. That, that's my you job. You don't have a dishwasher? Out. Well, yeah, but rinsing them. Oh, rinsing, wife, one thing. Yeah. Wife, wife likes to, and I do a lot of the you know, pots and pans and things like okay. that. So that's, that's one of my gigs at home. I do a whole lot of that. How about Glenn Allen Hill? Went to the DL after he fell through a glass table after waking up from a dream that spiders were eating him. Jeez, <laughs> uh, you remember Vince Coleman in the '85 World I Series? Do, yeah, on the tarp. Yeah, the tarp got him there, Ooh. rolled up on the leg. Sammy Sosa to the DL, strained back sneezing. <laughs> you know that the sneeze got him. That I've heard of that when A few a few players have been stricken by the sneeze. Jason Isringhausen stabbed himself in the leg trying to open the packaging of the club. Remember mm-hmm. that. No. The club that you put on your steering wheel of your car? Oh, that club. That club. Trouted, right? ha- he had a nice career. Later that year, he punched a trash can, broke his hand, and also contracted tuberculosis. Mm. Rush for you for housing. I think that's bad. Here's Affelt, Jeremy Affelt. Cut his hand trying to separate frozen hamburger patties. That's not all. Hurt his knee playing with his kids in 2012. Injured himself trying to avoid a foul ball hit his way. Three years later... Bruised his knee, resulting in a DL stint after slamming into a dock playing with his kids. His kids must be rough, really. Uh, Here's a famous one. Remember Milton Bradley when he was freaking out, arguing with an umpire. His manager tried to pull him away, and he tore his ACL. Oh my god! He was off to a really good start.
0: Was it an angel that was a walk-off home run and snapped and, and tore his ACL jumping on home plate? Yes, right. Who was that? Pretty good uh, player, yeah. I think he was too. Anyways, we will have to. Kendry Morales was it? I don't I... think it was it. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember. I do remember the. I don't remember the player. I do remember. We the got injury. three three days to figure it out. Okay, I'll spend all time working on it. <laughs> we'll be back on Monday. Murph and Andy in at two. The Fanatics at four. Next local programming will be Saturday morning. Sean Roberts, Emery Songer. Monday morning be here before we know it. Morning rush will be on your airwaves. Have a safe weekend.